0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate patrons as well. Shout-outs to Jim and Lisa, John, Becky, David, Ray, Lori, Rick, Ben, Tammy, Ann, and Gregory, thank you very much for supporting the program. They became patrons. You can, as well, just go to thepetecalendarshow.com, and there is a link at the top there uh, promoting, you know, exclusive content that you get as a patron. Uh, Also, thepetecalendarshow.com is where you go to click the subscribe button, and then you just pick whatever platform you want to listen to the podcast on, and you get them every single day. Um, So voter ID headed back to court. Jonah Kaplan at ABC 11 Eyewitness News reporting that a three judge panel will consider whether the law that was passed in North Carolina in 2018 violates our state constitution. The law, Kaplan reports, uh, actually has much more lenient provisions than earlier GOP attempts. At passing voter ID. So, like college IDs, municipal IDs, driver licenses, military cards, travel cards, all accepted among other provisions. Um, He goes on to state that 34 states have laws on the books requiring or recommending some form of ID at the polls, and they have all survived legal challenges. Seven states, including three of North Carolina's neighbors, they have strict photo ID laws. North Carolina. Well, we're trying. They've been trying for a while. North Carolina had actually been in the minority, he says, one of only 16 states that had not required any documentation to vote. Conservatives, other proponents of the law, like, you know, the 70 plus percent of North Carolinians that support voter ID, um, outraged at what they call judicial activism and judge shopping, (laughs) which, yes, of course, you should be outraged, too. Because that's exactly what the left has been doing on this. Uh, The trial is expected to last about two weeks, he says. Um, Now, this does connect to this kind of sort of terrifying news that uh, came out this weekend that apparently about 100 leaders of major U.S. corporations got on a Zoom call. And they are apparently going to now target Republican states. This is no bueno, folks. This is not good. When you've got corporations that are now picking a political side and they're going to target the uh, political opposition, right, uh, you will be made to care. We've been saying this now for years, and here we are. The time has arrived. We are now all being forced to care. In the past, I didn't care. If you made a good product and uh, it did what it claimed to do and it was, a you know, quality for the price— Uh, I would purchase your product. Now, I have to do the research into finding out whether or not your corporate CEO was on this Zoom call. Don't worry, I've got details on it. (laughs) Um, And uh, what is is the corporate leadership's position on every single policy in every Republican-led and Democrat-led state, all 50 states? What are their views on all of these things? And ironically, they always seem to line up precisely with the left. You know, it's I'm constantly reminded of a comment that David Harsani made in one of the recent interviews uh, that I had with him where he said, you know, folks in Oklahoma really don't care very much about what folks in New York are doing. But folks in New York are very interested in what folks in Oklahoma are doing. And why is that? How, how, how does that come to be? What are these authoritarian, tyrannical impulses? Where, where do they come from? Why do you need to know what some other state is doing, right? Why does that affect you? If one state says, you know what, we're going to accept a military ID for voter ID, and one state says, you know what, we're not. Like, why does that anger you? If you don't like some of these rules, then maybe don't live there. But again, I know that's sort of the libertarian conservatarian position on uh, on this stuff this sort of live and let live you know i won't tell you what to do i'm not gonna you know hurt people and take their stuff and tell them how to live i'm just not interested in doing that but there are a lot of people that are very interested in doing that to me and so now you're going to make me care the problem is for you is that i don't care the way you want me to but i guess that's what uh what the uh the Fun camps, right, the Hillary Clinton fun camps, remember those things? <laughs> I guess that's what <clears throat> well, we could implement those like right? there's no there's no limit on the amount of fun that we could probably find as we teach people the things to properly care about. Um, this is all the more reason this meeting, this zoom call that occurred over the weekend is all the more reason to debate and pass. I would submit a bill in the Georgia state legislature. See, because now I care. I've gone over some of the details of the Georgia voter uh, uh, reform bill that they passed and signed into law that has prompted all of this outrage among, you know, the president and the left and the media. But I repeat myself, you know, this is Jim Crow 2.0 and all that. So there is a bill that has now been proposed in the Georgia legislature by a state representative named Wes Cantrell. And uh, he's got two bills, actually. One is called the President Joe Biden, Jim Crow on Steroids Voting Act. Right. That's a direct quote that Joe Biden made during that press briefing the other day where he said, uh, you know, it's Jim Crow on steroids. It's Jim Eagle, because I guess the eagle is more racisty than the crow or something. I don't know. Um, or bigger. Is that the idea? Is it a, is it a mass type of a analogy like an eagle is just a larger sized bird, not representative of anything in particular, like a nation, like a national emblem or anything that we use. Nothing like that. <clears throat> but uh, maybe it's just the size of the bird. But this President Joe Biden, Jim Crow on steroids voting act would replace George's new election law with the exact law from Delaware, <laughs> Joe Biden's home state. <laughs> so let's implement Joe Biden's home state's. Voting laws. Instead of up to 19 days of early voting and no excuse voting by mail, Georgia would permit no early voting or absentee voting without an excuse. Unless, you know, you're sick or you're going to be absent on election. day, You've got to have an excuse. In Delaware, there's no such thing as no excuse absentee voting. The other bill he has uh, introduced is called the Senator Chuck Schumer Racist Voter Suppression Voting Act which is another direct quote from Schumer, uh, which would replace Georgia's law with New York's election law. That means nine days of early voting instead of 19 and a requirement that voters have an excuse in order to obtain an absentee ballot. This is a stunt. Representative West Cantrell admits it, but it's a good one. I agree. A la pundit writing at hotair.com says it highlights in a stark way the Democrats cynicism in demagoguing Georgia's new statute. If you want voters to understand how insincere some of the concerns about Jim Crow 2.0 are, show them the rules that certain blue states use to govern their own elections. Offer them a choice. Would you rather vote in a system as liberal as Georgia or one as stingy as the Democrats uh, Democratic president's home state? This is also, I saw there was a, uh, we're expecting, by the way, in a couple of weeks here, about two weeks, we're going to get the numbers from the census, and that's going to now uh, inform all of the redistricting, right? Because the population changes and shifts and all that. And North Carolina is looking to pick up another congressional seat. So we'll have 14 congressional seats. And um, there's already now some you know people that are running permutations and uh, different maps and stuff. And Maryland, which has some of the most egregious gerrymanders uh, out there, but it's run by Democrats. And so it's all OK, because when Democrats gerrymander, those are fair maps. And right now, I think it's like a seven to one Democrat majority. They have seven of the eight congressional seats in Maryland. And uh, there's, there are reports that they are looking to run the table with the new map alignment and do a complete 8-0 to do an eight to zero congressional delegation. So if you're a Republican, you just don't get a congressman in, uh, in the U.S. Capitol from your state. You just don't get any. <laughs> that's, as I said, that's a fair map for uh, Democrats. That's what they say, at least. I'm just going by, you know, their positions here. Now, uh, if your position would be substantially improved by picking up a new stand-on mower, then you're running out of time because General Equipment Rental has the stand-on mower from Husqvarna. They've got the V548 554 series. And uh, if if you buy either of these two models, you can score a total savings of about $3,500 because General Equipment Rental can pair two different deals together. One is 25% off uh, the MSRP for purchasing a nine-point fleet item and then there's another $1,000 instant rebate when you buy either of those two models. You put them together, $3,500. General Equipment Rental, uh, they are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. They also do equipment service, so if springtime has... Uh, arrived and you find that your mower isn't really working very well and needs some service, take it over to General Equipment Rental. Obviously, any tool that you need to rent, big or small, no matter the size of the project, same place, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They are family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. Now, part of the problem here is that Democratic leaders and the media, uh, they keep misrepresenting what the Georgia election law does and what it doesn't do. And this is driving the activism and the corporate responses. It's And th- so much of this stuff is based on, well, I'll say it, lies. A lot of these are lies. Um, this is Jonathan Turley, who is, you know, the... Uh, a Georgetown uh, University law professor, expert guy, constitutional law expert. And uh, he writes a blog. It's at JonathanTurley.org. And he says that Biden is falsely claiming a couple of things. Number one, that the law is closing polling places earlier. And that's not true. Uh, the use of the provision, he says, to suggest a reduction in voting hours uh, was a knowing misrepre- a misrepresentation by those seeking to justify the federalization of election laws in Congress. This is the key, right? They're using these laws that are being implemented or or proposed around America. They're using these laws in order to build momentum and justify the federalization, the nationalization of our elections, which is a terrible idea. It's authoritarian and tyrannical. And of course, it is all done to the benefit of the Democratic Party. All the rule changes benefit the Democratic Party and the media understands this and they go along with it. Or media people may be ignorant of this and that's why they go along with it. I don't know. But the president, he should have been made aware of this lie, but he keeps telling it. Even PolitiFact told him that this is not true, but he keeps saying it. Um, that they're closing the polling places earlier. And it's actually the exact opposite of that. It's actually expanding access. One of the other lies he's been telling is the uh, the water denial. No, you can't even hand out a bottle of water while people wait in line. If a president, that's not true, by the way, you can. He goes on to explain that uh, the water claim is disingenuous. He says the law does not prevent people from giving water to others standing in line. The law allows, number one, self-service from an unattended receptacle for voters waiting in line. So you can set up a water station. You can go get your water there. Uh, it also allows anybody to give water or food to any voters outside of the limited area around the polling place. So if you're a candidate or you're an activist, you're a campaign or whatever, and you're wanting to give people bottles of water with your logo on it or your campaign material attached to it, you can still do that as long as you don't do it, you know, within the 150 foot buffer, because that's electioneering and you're not allowed to do that. The whole point there is that you don't want to have fights and intimidation going on as people are waiting in line to vote. So you can get a hold of them outside of that 150 foot buffer zone, you can hand out all the water you want 150 feet away. Now think of that. Like you're you're saying that that it is disenfranchisement and it is Jim Crow if I got to give you a bottle of water with my logo on it over here but not over here, right? Like 150 feet. Like I should be able to give you a bottle of water with my campaign material attached to it right there in line, right up to the door of your uh, voting station. I don't think that that's the intent of the law, the original intent of the electioneering buffer. They were trying to prevent people for, and this was non-controversial, by the way. Everybody has kind of understood the rationale for this. So the Georgia law does allow you actually to give water and food to somebody, as long as you don't put your campaign material on it. So if you're so worried that people are going to dehydrate to death while waiting in line to vote, you can go give them water. You just can't put your campaign stuff on it. And and we're supposed to believe that this is a bridge too far that this is disenfranchisement, this is racist even. This is racist to demand that if you're going to hand somebody a bottle of water within the 150-foot buffer zone, that you can't put your election material on it because you're basically engaging in electioneering, which you're not allowed to do. You see? So they just want different rules for themselves. And I'm... I don't understand why this is so hard to understand. I really don't. Well, I do. It's politics. It's about control. Uh, He says, if a president is going to accuse a state of passing a Jim Crow law, let alone supporting a boycott against that state, there is an expectation of a modicum of accuracy and fairness. And the water claim is not. Um, It allows anybody to give water or food to any voters outside of that limited area around the polling place. Georgia officials say. That the impetus for this rule was that various political organizations in 2019 circumvented the no politicking rule by handing out food and water with actual food trucks set up for this purpose. Oh, look at that. So the law was actually a response to a loophole that was being exploited by campaigners. Now, it doesn't say which groups, you know, Democrat or Republican or whatever, but there was a loophole. And so they took advantage of it in order to electioneer inside the buffer. And so this law goes at that uh, that loophole, tries to close that loophole. And for that, again, we're supposed to believe that this is Jim Crow 2.0. But the narrative has taken thanks to uh, you know the Democrats and their allies in the media that amplify everything that they say as true, and now you have the uh, the boycotts underway of Georgia over this law, which is completely ridiculous. and uh, Major League Baseball you know pulled their all-star game out of Georgia, and this now also prompted a zoom call with more than 100 of the nation's top corporate leaders. They met virtually on Saturday to discuss ways for companies to continue responding to the passage of more restrictive voting laws across the country. This is, by the way, this is also a lie. This this lie that there were all these restrictive voting laws getting uh, uh, proposed and passed all across the country. Um, This comes from the Brennan Center. This stat comes from the Brennan Center. And uh, I covered this a couple of weeks ago. Their numbers of like, there's like 400, what's the number here? I've got 361 bills. Okay. The Brennan Center, which this is according to the CBS write-up, they call them the nonpartisan Brennan Center, has been tracking voting law proposals across the country, found that lawmakers in 47 states have introduced 361 bills that would restrict voting access. Well, what does that mean, restrict voting access? virtually all of these some of the bills don't even restrict voter access at all at all there were and we i think Kentucky's bill was uh, one of those laws that we mentioned but um the Brennan Center counts any kind of a rollback to the status quo ante as a voting restriction so in other words we implemented all of these changes because of covid last year and now they're looking to codify certain things, as the Georgia bill did, as the Georgia law did. They're going to codify some things, but they're also going to regulate or restrict other things that were just thrown out into the, you know, uh, into the public policy arena uh, as part of COVID, because you know we're trying to save everybody's lives while they go vote. So here are all the things that we're going to do that we've never done before. What could possibly go wrong? And so they do all of these things, and now that you've got time hey, let's go ahead and make sure that these things are implemented correctly with this balance between access and security. And so if you try to go back to anything that was pre-COVID response, they're counting that as restrictions, even though it may be greater access than it was in 2019, right? So if let's say you have... 10 days of early voting in 2019. Then with COVID, they're like, we got to have 20. All right, so you double it. Now you got 20 days of early voting. Now you got a law that says, hey, let's go back to not 10, let's go to 15. Let's do 15 days of early voting, not the 20, not the 10. Let's meet in the middle at 15. The Brennan Center counts that as restricting voting access. Is that really a restriction on voting access? I would submit... No, it is not. Now, I would also submit that if you need a mattress, you go to Mattress Man. That's what I did. Christy and I went to Mattress Man. And look, everything right now seems to be getting more expensive. Thank you, runaway spending and inflation. But uh, Mattress Man is actually going to give you more bed for your buck. How are they doing that? Well, they're going to give you a king for the price of a queen or a queen for the price of a twin. So if like you're trying to upgrade The kids, they got big, they got tall, they hit the growth spurt, now their feet are hanging off the edge of the bed, whatever you need. Or maybe they went, you know, the other direction. They went wide. Oh, whatever. I'm not judging. I'm just saying the kids outgrew the twin. Now you need a queen size bed. You can get basically the queen for the price of a twin. It's a free upgrade. They are the exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection as well, made by Restonic right here in North Carolina. Get free local five-star delivery and a 120-day comfort guarantee. And yes, they do ship nationwide. And remember, take advantage of Mattress Man's tax refund deal. You can get your bed, be sleeping in it, and then uh, not pay any money until your tax refund comes in, and then boom, it's taken care of. No credit needed. They want to work with you. They've got tons of flexible financing options like no interest for two years. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local and sleep better. So more than 100 of the nation's top corporate leaders met virtually on Saturday to discuss ways for companies to continue responding to these restrictive voting laws across the country. A signal that the nation's premier businesses are preparing a far more robust organized response to the ongoing debate. Right in other words, collusion. yeah, they are colluding. They are colluding against states. They are colluding against elected representatives and the policies that those representatives are proposing. Doesn't democracy die in darkness, something or other? Anyway, with some CEOs, this is it really is amazing to see how quickly uh, folks on the left are now totally fine with corporations. Weighing in on politics and doing these things and, you know, using the power of the corporations. As long as it aligns with what the left likes, they're totally fine with corporate power. They really are. As long as they get to control the levers, they're fine with it. This was never a principled stand against the corporations. Um, But I do find it interesting, like, you corporate types, you guys realize that the the political party that was kind of defending you from being eaten by the alligator... Is the one you're now attacking? So uh, I guess good luck with that going forward. Um, I guess they figured they'll have a uh, I don't know more preferential space in the breadline at the camps, the fun camps, the fun camps. I'm just talking about the fun camps. Um, so CBS reporting that some of them, uh, some of the CEOs weighed in on this Zoom call from Augusta National Golf Club, site of the Masters golf tournament attendees. <laughs> So, they're literally in the state. They're literally in Georgia on a Zoom call on a Saturday, taking a break from the masters in order to talk about, oh, those evil, racisty people wanting to secure their elections in Georgia. We should totally never do business in Georgia again. By the way, you know how many people in the South would actually be totally fine? with a complete and utter boycott from every corporation and company and person from outside of the South, like literally pound sand, go home. Really? Like we thought you would never leave. Please leave. Seriously. There are a lot of people that are going to be totally fine with this approach, but you're making us care. And so we're going to start caring. Um, The zoom call included leaders from the healthcare media and transportation sectors Um, The gathering was an enthusiastic, voluntary statement of defiance against threats of reprisals for exercising their patriotic voices, said Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, a Yale University management professor who helped organize the confab. The corporate leaders, quote, recognize that they need to step up to the plate and are not fearful of these reprisals. They're showing a disdain for these political attacks. Not only are they fortifying each other, but they see that this spreading of disease of voter restrictions from Georgia to up to possibly 46 other states is based on a false premise, and it's anti-democratic. Again, only anti-democratic in Republican states. And they did not capitalize the D in this story, because maybe that's like anti-Capital D Democratic, like anti-Democrat. Maybe that's the concern here. Um, Again, no targeting of states that are behaving anti-Democratically that are blue states. Delaware, New York, right? Those states, totally fine to keep making it difficult to vote for all of the people. Uh, That's totally fine. Very suppression-y, very... Uh, Jim Crow-like, Jim Eagle-like, if you will, uh, but those are all fine. This is somehow the, the the voter restrictions from Georgia that are spreading across America. No, it's actually a response in all of these states to the kinds of rules that the left forced upon election systems in Republican-led states before the last election, citing COVID as the reason they abandoned legislative process. They abandoned the law, right? They wrote law in contravention to the constitutional order. They did these things. And now you've got folks in the legislative bodies that are saying, you know what? Um, we're going to go ahead and make some laws that address these things that happened, things that we like. They implement, like in Georgia, they actually implemented the drop boxes. They, they codified that. They made it a standard feature now of all future elections. But it wasn't the same number of drop boxes. And so because of that, now it's suppression. Didn't have drop boxes before. Now you have them, but it's somehow suppressive because it's not as many boxes as they threw out there for the COVID pandemic. So I guess we're supposed to just constantly live under the rules adopted in a pandemic. That's what they're saying. Now, what I'm saying is if you want real U.S. military surplus for your prep gear, for your go big, uh, or maybe, you know, if you're an outdoors type of person, you go hiking and camping and fishing and the like, then uh, you need some first aid kits. Go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He is in downtown Clyde on Main Street, where the shop has been for 30 years. It's open Monday through Saturday. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Uh, Go to the website oldgrouch.com and tell him that you heard it here on the program. I appreciate it. Uh, Organizers of this Zoom call also stressed that the meeting was put together long before Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, uh, denounced and criticized corporate leaders he said were being misled by Democratic arguments against the new laws, Um, which that is true. He did say that. Um, I do find this interesting also that CBS can't figure out what the truth is on the law. The law is pretty clear. Right. The law says something. And if the Democrats are lying about it, which, by the way, they are, you know, as I mentioned earlier, then it seems to me like you should put that someplace in the story rather than just saying, you know, Mitch McConnell says that they're being misled. So who's being misled? Here's a list of the people, according to CBS, that was on the Zoom call among. I mean, there were 100 of them. I'm not going to run through them all. Um, But Arthur Blank, owner of the Falcons, James Murdoch, son of Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Adam Aaron the CEO of AMC Theatres. So yes, I'm giving you the list of everybody you need to start boycotting, I guess. Melody Hobson, uh, the co-CEO of Aerial Investments. Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart. Scott Kirby, the CEO of United Airlines. Doug Parker, the CEO of American Airlines. Chip Berg, the chairman of Levi Strauss. Reed Hoffman, the CEO of LinkedIn. Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, and Ed Bastian, the CEO of Delta, were also invited but not able to attend. Bob Backish, the president and CEO of Viacon CBS, also attended the meeting. Among those who spoke on the call were Kenneth Cheneau, the former CEO of American Express, and Kenneth Frazier, the chief executive of Merck who helped organize the drive by 72 black executives and encouraged participants to do more. The meeting ended with no concrete game plan or timetable, but with a general plan to draft potential collusive responses. Okay, well, I added collusive responses based on a firm's size and resources. So it's a shakedown. It's another example of the racket <laughs> that is uh, the social justice movement, right? Right. It's the selling of indulgences in the new religion. That's what they're doing. They're taking up donations, if you will. They're passing the plate to see what can you do. What's the tithe? Is it ten percent? Ten percent? That that would be gross. Ten percent on the gross, because you know activism is really expensive. I mean, like honestly, you gotta you have to pay the troops if you're going to you know exert influence and extort states. And I'm sorry. All right, all right. That maybe that's too. Maybe that's too firm. Let's say intimidate states. How about that? Threaten them, right? Bribe them. Like this is, this is the language that they're speaking now. And they're speaking it to us. That's what they're saying. To you, to me, they're saying we're going to use the corporations in order to exert policy preferences over you. And that includes voter ID. We're going to get rid of all the voter ID. We're going to force unionization in states that are right to work. We're going to force our collectivist idea of the utopian society that America should be. We're going to force that upon you at the national level, and we're going to use the corporations to do so. This is, I've said this for years, This, uh, and, and unfortunately the term fascism is now completely abused and misused, but Fascism, from an economic standpoint, it's sort of this, uh, it's a veneer of capitalism, but all of the decisions are actually made by the state. So at, at the economic level, I'm not talking like uh, at a political governing Level. I'm talking about the economic level. It's this veneer of capitalism, a veneer of a free market. But there isn't one because the state is actually dictating the terms, which is precisely what the Democrats are doing, like when it comes to election law, but also uh, what their pro act, I think, is what it is, right? The... Uh, the forced unionization and elimination of right-to-work states, like that sort of stuff. This is what the left is attempting to do, is to make every state abide by its will because they've got a 50-50 split with a plus one in the uh, vice presidency. So this is how they're wielding power. This is not really governing at this point. This is this is wielding power. This is ruling, right? They they have the, literally the narrowest of... Majorities and they're going to use this majority in the Senate to inflict upon every other republican led state their will i'm not sure you could i'm not sure you could craft just a worse recipe for unity than what they're doing um, i'm not sure you can find uh, a a better a realtor to use than Rowena Patton either, which is why Christy and I are using her to buy our house. You should as well. 828-333-4483 is the phone number, mountainhomehunt.com. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state of North Carolina. Put her and her all-star powerhouse team to work for you. 333-4483, Rowena Patton, mountainhomehunt.com. Give her a call and then start packing. Now I mentioned, you know, this kind of activism, social justice—it's expensive, and uh, but it is also uh, pretty profitable. Apparently, um, the leader of Black Lives Matter—it's uh, now been discovered—the uh, chick's got like four homes; just bought a fourth home. As protests <laughs> broke out across the country in the name of Black Lives Matter, the group's co-founder went on a real estate buying binge, snagging four high-end homes for $3.2 million in the U.S. alone, according to property records, as reported at the New York Post. Patrice kahn uh, I yeah, yeah, anyway, 37 years old, also, apparently, eyed property in the Bahamas at an ultra-exclusive resort where Justin Timberlake and Tiger Woods both have homes, luxury apartments and townhomes at the beachfront Albany Resort. That's the name of the development. It's not Albany, New York, because really, like, who would spend that kind of money for Albany, New York? It's crazy. Um, it's outside of Nassau. Uh, these are priced between five and twenty million dollars, according to a local real estate agent. The self-described marxist with the four homes <laughs> the marxist with the four multi-million dollar homes. she's as bad as bernie sanders like why is this always the case why are these marxists right why are they always uh giving into the trappings of capitalism and wealth why do they always succumb what, what what's up with that it, we all know the reason why it's because they're liars That's the hallmark of Marxism and communism is they're liars. They lie about this stuff. They they have to lie about, really, the entire philosophy because it doesn't make rational sense, so you must lie. And so she's making all of this money off of what is ostensibly like this neo-Marxist philosophy and activism, yet she's taking all of that money. And what is she buying? Property. Literally property. Like the very thing. That Marxism eschews, abhors, right? The very thing that, like Mao in, in China, right? When he organized the Cultural Revolution and turned all the kids on the professors and the uh, the conservatives and the landowners. That's right. Turned them on the landowners, but I guess she thinks she'll be protected. Yeah, you won't be. The true believers of the next generation, they'll come for you, because you will be. You'll be seen as even worse. Because you're, you'll be seen as a sellout to the cause, even worse than people who opposed from the very beginning. But um, this woman, Patrice khan uh self-described Marxist, last month purchased a $1.4 million home on a secluded road, a short drive from Malibu in L.A. Uh, it's about a 2,400 square foot property, and it's in the Topanga Canyon which includes, it includes two houses on a quarter acre. Uh, it's just one of three homes that Con Cullers owns in the Los Angeles area. She owns three homes in the area. Some fellow activists were taken aback by the real estate revelations, like Hank Newsom, who is the head of the Black Lives Matter Greater New York City chapter, and he called for an independent investigation with black accountants, of course, um, to find out how the global network spends its money. Last year, Khan Cullors and her spouse, Janiyah Khan, ventured to Georgia. Georgia! There it is again. Buying property, they acquired a fourth home, a custom ranch on 3.2 rural acres in Conyers, featuring a private airplane hangar with a studio apartment above it and the use of a 2,500-foot paved-slash-grass community runway that can accommodate small airplanes. Now, New York Post goes on to report a rise to national prominence in 2013 when she and two other activists protested the not guilty verdict against George Zimmerman, who shot dead Trayvon Martin, an unarmed black teenager in Florida. So once again, remember that was another one of these stories that was built on a lie, right? That Trayvon Martin didn't do anything. He was just walking down the road and George Zimmerman, you know, profiled him and uh, and then tried to murder him, right? Like that's, even though that's not exactly what transpired, Trayvon Martin jumped him and started beating on him and Zimmerman shot and killed him. And by the way, I don't defend George Zimmerman on that either. He should never have followed the kid and, and interfered, should have waited for the cops, as he was instructed to do. Anyway, uh, then, so this was 2013, where they start the Black Lives Matter um, effort, but it really gets going in 2020 after George Floyd is killed in Minneapolis. Donations and pledges from corporations and individuals then pour into the movement at that point. In February, the Black Lives Matter nonprofit, co-founded by Con Coolers, told the AP they took in $90 million dollars. million in 2020 alone, just in one year. And they had committed 22 of the 90 million uh, to grant funding and helping 30 black-led groups across the country. Isn't that nice? So they took 22 out of the 90 million, and they used that for... Direct support to these BLM organizations, but they would not specify how much money they took in from prominent donors. It's also not clear how much Con Cullers makes in salary as one of the leaders of the movement since its finances are split between a nonprofit and a for profit group. Okay, two different entities. The nonprofit uh, does not have a federal tax exemption, and donations are actually filtered through Act Blue. Which is the Democrat fundraising organization, Act Blue. Also, they fund uh, or their, um, their donations are filtered through Thousand Currents. Now, those two are nonprofits. They manage the cash. At the same time that Con Cullers incorporated this nonprofit, she also set up the BLM Global Network, which is the for profit entity, and that is not required to disclose how much it spends or how much it pays its executives. (laughs) It's a convenient little carve-out for them, obviously. Uh, Speaking of convenience, do you need some CBD products and you want them delivered to the convenience of your own home? You don't have to go out for them. Then go to growershemp.com. North Carolina farmers got together and said, why don't we make this product, right? We're growing the crops. Why don't we get vertically integrated in biz speak? And why don't we make the CBD products? And so they do. They control the whole process from seed all the way to shelf. And that means you get better quality, better pricing, and you're supporting North Carolina local farmers. Add the natural alternative Grower's Hemp full spectrum hemp extract to your daily routine. Um, It's the best quality at a price that's affordable because they control the whole process. Um, They also know people have questions about CBD and Grower's Hemp is going to guide you every step along the way. They want you to be happy and satisfied. Uh, So just reach out to them. And they'll answer all your questions. Go to growershemp.com. And if you use my name, Pete, at checkout, use Pete as the promo code, you'll get 20% off. Now, i got to read the disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing, I've said, is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your health care provider. So consult your health professional about any potential interactions or other possible complications before you use any product. Go to GrowersHemp.com. Use my name, Pete, at checkout for 20% off. Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So this uh, Patrice Kahn-Cullers retained her vaunted reputation, according to LegalInsurrection.com, uh, among social justice activists and uh, eagerly woke corporations alike. She's set to publish a new book in October And she launched a project partnership with the UGG Apparel Company, and the Los Angeles-based Hammer Museum has been nominated also for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. By the way, um, riots are occurring in uh, Minnesota again, because there was another uh, officer-involved shooting of a young black man, and is like 20 miles away from where the trial in the George Floyd case is going on, and so now they uh, rioted and they looted and they started burning stuff uh, uh, over the weekend as well. Uh, that's the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of activity you get to win. you have to you know help foster in order to get the Nobel Peace Prize nowadays. Um, now you've got people that are demanding transparency. On March 2nd, Michael Brown's father, Michael Brown from Ferguson, right? Michael Brown's father appeared in a video posted on Twitter in which a Ferguson, Missouri activist complained of being forgotten by the movement asserting that local organizers and political uh, and political prisoners in dire need of assistance have been quote left behind he demanded some 20 million dollars from black lives matter to continue the work his and other groups have been doing in the area in response to the anger colors took to instagram to complain about being lied on by my own community which she accused lifted up right-wing propaganda instead of supporting Black Lives Matter unconditionally. The Daily Mail added that in her new zip code that she just bought in, 88% of the residents are white only 1.8 percent are black according to the census <laughs> Which, again like how isn't it amazing how all of these Marxists they always see themselves as the leader you know like, once the Marxism is implemented, that's going to be for all of you people, you know, to abide by. We're going to be the party leaders, so we're going to have access to all the houses, the you know, the super special grocery stores that the party leaders get to shop in, and you, you know, hoi polloi, you don't get to shop in those. You're proletariat. You're just simple workers. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't know what to do with all these fancy goods. And look, we're the leaders. We need to have the best stuff so we can stay, you know, motivated, well-fed while you're starving in order to, you know, make sure that we can make the best decisions for you. So you won't be starving anymore. See, so we have to eat more and we have to eat better foods in order to help you not starve. This is the promise of the Marxist vision." Incensed activists have vented their frustration with Colors and her reaction to the scrutiny on Twitter. Colors appears to have deactivated her Twitter account since buying the home, and well, since the report was published, I should say. This is Samantha Mendalis in, or yeah, Mendalis in uh, Legal Insurrection. She's a senior researcher and outreach director. She says, as I wrote in October, Black Lives Matter has made a name for itself by equating American capitalism with racism, police brutality, and injustice of all stripes. As a movement, BLM has long sought to discredit the traditional up-by-your-bootstraps ideals of the American dream, ideals which, if Culler's own memoir is to be believed, she herself has exemplified. A black child who grew up in an underprivileged, single-parent home Colors has overcome those circumstances and leveraged her activism into a wildly successful brand and career with lots of personal property to show for it. No wonder her less famous, less wealthy compatriots are kind of angry with her. In her quest to incite Marxist revolution, she's gone and proven that it's not even really necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there is another component here. Jonathan Turley again. Uh, headline Twitter censors criticism of this story of the black lives matter founder buying the $1.4 million home in a predominantly white neighborhood, Jason Whitlock, who I had the pleasure of interviewing once, uh, in the past, uh, he's, uh, an African-American sports critic. He's also been very critical of black lives matter. And when he called out con colors, uh, Twitter censored the tweet, leaving a notice that the tweet was quote, no longer available. The controversy is illustrative of the age of internet censors. Tweets, and in some cases entire Twitter accounts, vanish without explanation. Twitter is notorious for not responding to media inquiries over such censorship, and even less forthcoming on the decision-making process behind such decisions. If Whitlock was expressing his contempt for the purchase, this is core political speech. This is protected speech. He's criticizing the founder for these you know, opulent purchases, despite stated philosophies that don't allow for such a thing. So this is political speech. You don't get a better definition of it, actually. But Twitter took it down. And I'm actually now, as I'm going over this, I'm wondering, what do I title this podcast? Because if I put the wrong words in the title... Do I get my Twitter account suspended? Do I get, you know, flags put on my accounts on social media and now, cuz now that really affects my business model, right? Which is all like up by my bootstraps. I run all of this stuff, all the podcasting stuff, all the back end stuff, and uh, I rely on these platforms to not deplatform me. But what if I criticize this leaders home purchases as being hypocritical? Like I'm going to get I'm going to get censored for that? So she's enjoying a protection, right? She's being protected by the corporations. This is a point Turley makes, and he's exactly right. He says, the issue for me is not the House or even the claimed hypocrisy. He says it's the censorship of Twitter uh, on Twitter of such criticism. She is a public figure who is subject to public scrutiny and commentary. Twitter is rife with such criticism over the lifestyle choices of figures on the right, like Donald Trump Jr., Rand Paul right this that is an unfortunate aspect of being in a high visibility position he says i would be equally concerned if there was criticism of trump junior and his you know big game hunting exploits and then that stuff got uh got censored if people were like how dare he go and hunt those you know peaceful lions you know and he's you know posing with the picture of the dead lion that he killed and the left goes crazy and they start mounting a, you know, Trump kills hashtag or something. And then Twitter takes that down. They censor that for some reason. You you should have as much indignation and outrage, righteous outrage against that as you would this story being censored whitlock apparently is a vocal critic of blm which he has denounced as a scam he's even compared it to the kkk one does not have to agree with his statements to support his right to speak freely without corporate censorship and by the way yes this is censorship for folks on the left who are like it's not censorship because it's not government okay censorship does not require government to censor okay there are government censors and that is against the constitution however Censorship does still occur. You self-censor. People self-censor all the time. The word censorship does not automatically equate to government force, okay? But when I see all of these corporate leaders get together and start uh, entering into sort of collusive types of agreements in order to uh, target government officials, in order to get them to extract policy positions and uh, concessions well, now I'm starting to wonder, like, where does the corporate line end and the government line begin? And you would think that folks on the left who are oh so very concerned about the influence of corporate money in politics, you would think that they would care about this sort of thing, but they don't when it's for their cause. Indeed, says Jonathan Turley, the greatest irony here may not be the home purchase, but the corporate support. A professed Marxist Colors has not only been paid handsomely by corporations like Warner Brothers, but is being actively protected by corporations like Twitter, right? She's being paid by and protected by corporations while she spouts this neo-Marxist claptrap, this identity politics cancer in our society, and she's making bank off of it, and she's getting hers. She's buying her houses. This is very similar to the uh, the story that we did a couple of months back with, uh, who is it? Um, Travis, no, 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 uh, uh, Charles Lehman, I think his name, Charles Fane Lehman, that was it. And um, he wrote all about this, uh, uh, the white fragility author, uh, Robin DiAngelo, and how she was making all this money, millions and millions of dollars, dis- and despite like explicitly saying that white people need to give up large chunks of their income and just start throwing money at these uh, uh, activist organizations and such in order to pay reparations to uh, enough to make it hurt. I think is what she said. Uh, Despite that, there is no record of her doing anything of the sort. In fact, she went on uh, a buying spree of multiple houses, too. Like, I don't know what it is. No, I do know what it is. It's a, I mean, these are sound investments. Real estate's a sound investment. <laughs> so it makes sense. Uh, I'm not knocking them for their investing in real estate. It's a good It's a good play. But when you're a Marxist telling people that they got to basically give up all of their uh, their wealth you know, to the state and let the state control their lives, uh, and meanwhile, you're making all of this money doing what, whatever you want to do, and then you're buying all sorts of property, which is the antithesis of Marxism, which he claims to be. Um, yes, yeah, there's a hypocrisy argument here that is quite potent, if anybody cares to examine it. Um, but the other more concerning part is the censorship that's occurring, because here's another example. Jonathan Turley mentioned this one as well, and I happened to see it when I was uh, reading the, the piece on the Twitter censorship. But this censorious infection in our culture, in our society, it's getting worse. It's spreading. The Journal of the American Medical Association has fired a podcast host and deputy editor, Dr. Edward Livingston, I presume, who raised his own concerns and doubts in a podcast over claims of structural racism. While the Journal of American Medicine, uh, or yeah, the Journal of the American Medical Association, sorry, is supposedly independent from the American Medical Association, the AMA, wrote a statement that it was deeply disturbed and angered by the podcast and declared that this tweet and podcast are inconsistent with the policies and views of AMA. The Daily Wire got a copy of the podcast. It's now been deleted. And during this episode, you know what got their dander all up was this. Livingston repeated or reportedly asks Dr. Mitchell Katz the following question, quote, given that racism is illegal, which I'm not sure that's a given, but Given that race, I think he's talking about like discrimination laws, non-discrimination, that sort of thing. Given that racism is illegal, how can it be so embedded in society that it's considered structural? That is a fantastic question and one that will apparently cost you your job. How can it be structural if the laws literally state you cannot do this thing? Katz then explains how structural racism can manifest itself, and then Livingston follows up by noting, quote, I feel like I'm being told I'm a racist in the modern era because of this whole thing about structural racism, but what what you're talking about, it isn't so much racism as much as that there are populations, it's more of a socioeconomic phenomenon that, uh, that have a hard time getting out of their place because of their environment, and it isn't their race. It isn't their color, it's their socioeconomic status. It's where they are, right? So Katz then, the guest, appears to even agree with this point. Now, there's a lot to unpack, and people of good faith can disagree with the socioeconomic perspective and whether that's accurate or not. That's the point of these types of forums. That's why you have the debates. You allow different viewpoints. You discuss these issues that face society. I disagree with the comments, and I would be interested in an exchange on the issue. And there was a time when such controversial discussions were welcomed as a uh, as a platform for discussion. But this is not that time anymore. This is not that time. Commentators and corporations often call for a national dialogue on race But those with opposing views of underlying causes and controversies are subject to canceling campaigns, and the result is closer to a diatribe than a dialogue. That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, go to thepeetcalendershow.com and subscribe, and don't break anything while I'm gone.